Welcome to the addendum, a thing added. On this podcast, Pastor Eric Williams will add to, clarify, and supplement the most recent teachings at Fellowship Renewed Church. In our time together today, I'd like to bring some clarity to two uh, particular situations that we addressed in our time together on Sunday. And the first is relating to Paul's ministry endeavors and the fact that he says that the proclamation of the gospel is no ground for boasting for Paul. So he does establish a ground for boasting, but the proclamation of the gospel is not his ground for boasting. And I mentioned his conversion story, but I'd like to look at that in just a little bit more detail today. And we're going to look specifically at Acts 26, verses 12 through 18. So I'll just read that. In connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Okay, so this is Paul's own account of his conversion story as he was on the road to Damascus. And again, remember that he was on the road to Damascus in, in hopes that he would encounter believers so that they may be uh, led away into prison and in certain cases to their death. And so Paul was walking in opposition to God when Jesus interrupted his life and a bright light shone around and he and those people with him fell to the ground and in this situation, Jesus speaks to Paul and tells him what he's going to do with his life. And when he speaks to Paul, again, Paul's own account of the story, when he speaks to Paul, Jesus clearly tells him that he's going to use him to proclaim the gospel uh, to the Gentiles specifically, that he might turn them from darkness to light. And so, Jesus is telling Paul, I have saved you, I have redeemed you, I have transferred you from darkness to light, and now here's what I'm going to do with your life. I'm going to take you, you're now going to be my servant, and you're going to do as I wish. And what I wish for you to do, and what I'm causing you to do, is you are going to be a light to the Gentiles. You are going to actually take the light of the gospel to the Gentiles, that they might see it and that they might understand it. So, Paul is a chosen instrument of God to bring the gospel uh, to the world, we could say. All right? So, 
This means that Paul is now a steward of the gospel message. And to be a steward means that you are given something and it is in your possession, but it doesn't actually belong to you. And so he's being a steward of the gospel. The gospel has been handed to Paul. Paul is holding the gospel. It is it is his, but it doesn't actually belong to him. But he is to take care of it while it's in his hands, in his possession. So what is Paul to do with this? He is to proclaim it. And that's how he's a good steward of it. For Paul to have the gospel and then to make proclamation of the gospel is for Paul to be a good steward of the gospel message that's been entrusted to him. So it wasn't Paul's own will or desire that he become a servant of the Lord and his uh, his means of proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles. Uh, this is not what Paul had in his mind. In his mind, he was going to dismantle what God was doing through Jesus Christ. But instead, things turned quite to the opposite. Okay, so the question becomes, in Paul's own words in 1 Corinthians, so what will Paul's reward be? And you can read about that in verse 18. He says, what then will be my reward? And he asks this because if you simply do what you are told to do or what you're made to do, why would you expect a reward for that, for simply being obedient in what you were told to do. Paul was uh, told to be a witness for the gospel, specifically to the Gentiles. And so for him to then do that, he's saying, all I'm doing is is doing all I can do with my life. And so where's the reward for that? Why would I be rewarded for that? For simply being obedient. It is what I should do. And it wasn't even my choice. It was the Lord who chose to do this with my life. Okay, so maybe a little summary of, of that section and how it relates to the rest of what we were talking about is that Paul is absolutely within his right to expect and obtain financial material support from the church. However, he has chosen to give up that right because he wants to maintain ground for boasting, but he can't boast in the proclamation of the gospel message as if that was his idea, because it wasn't his idea. It was the Lord's idea. So he can't boast in that, but he does want to do something with his own free will. It's a, it's a, in a sense, okay, a free will offering to the Lord. I'm giving the Lord something with my life. And what am I giving him? Well, I am denying a right that I could get money from this situation, but I'm, I'm choosing not to. And that was Paul's decision, free decision to do that. But the proclamation of the gospel was not his free decision. Okay? So there's the difference between those two ideas. Okay. The next section of text, Paul talks about sacrificing his rights for what reason? Not to boast in himself about how great he is, but he sacrifices his rights for the sake of others. So Paul has determined in his own mind that the best thing, the most profitable thing for him to do is to lay down his rightful claim on financial material support from the Corinthian church that others might believe, that others might grow in their faith, that others might see the gospel present in his life. Now, it's not just the Corinthian church, 
but Paul has chosen throughout all his endeavors, given that Paul does serve multiple local churches, right? He has laid down this right entirely, and evidently so has Barnabas. All right. Now, what is the benefit for others in this situation? So I'll begin reading 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. I want you to just think about that word win, because it's repeated several times. I want I'm gonna just draw your attention to it, okay? That I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might, and you might expect him to say here, win some of them, but it's not what he says that I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. All right. So, as I said, I want to bring some clarity to this. I didn't spend a whole lot of time here, and so I thought this was a great opportunity to just um, to look at a couple of texts that support uh, the idea of what's being said here, okay? Paul started back in chapter 9, verse 1, with the idea of freedom, and so there's a connection. He says in, in, in verse 1, am I not free? And how does he start verse 19? Though I am free, so I hope you see that connection, though I am free, I have made myself a servant to all. So in other words, although I am free, and I don't have to make myself a servant to all, I am choosing to make myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. So, Paul has a freedom here, but he's not using his freedom to serve himself. He's using his freedom to serve others. And what does this serving of others look like? That he might win them, that he might win more of them. And then he talks about some different categories of people that he hopes to win. And it's, it's Jews, it's those outside of the law, those who are not Jewish. Um, I, I believe this is um, a similar idea and category of people that he will reference later, which is um, those who are Jews, those who are Gentiles, and then those who belong to the church. Um, that, that comes from a text uh, later on in 1 Corinthians, but I, I believe that these are the categories that he's referencing here. Jew, Gentile, church. And so what this tells us is that he has in his mind, I believe, multiple categories of people concerning salvation. He's talking about those people who are the redeemed and those people who are not the redeemed, but he wants to make gospel impact on all of these groups. Whether you're Jewish and an unbeliever, or Gentile and an unbeliever, or you belong to the church of God, he wants the gospel to benefit their lives and win them to the Lord, win them in terms of obedience, win them in terms of transferring them from the kingdom of darkness to light. Now, we know Paul doesn't actually do this. Paul doesn't win them. Paul doesn't save. We know that. We just need to understand the terminology here. He wants to be a vessel 
of people being saved, a vessel of more people being won over to the gospel, a vessel of people coming into obedience under the gospel as those who are already saved. All right. But he says, uh, am I not free? Uh, yes, he is free. He's using, he's using his freedom to serve others. But there's a connection all the way back to chapter 8. And if you look at verse 9, it says, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. So in other words, there's a connection between rights and freedoms, right? Which is the very conversation that we're having, rights and freedoms. Make sure that this right of yours, so you have a right and you can either lay hold of that right or you can choose to not lay hold of that right. And because there's a choice here, what does that help us understand? That there is freedom. If there is a choice to be made, then you are free to make a choice. But he says, make sure that this freedom you have, this right that you have, doesn't somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Okay? And then he'll go on to say in verse 11, by your knowledge, if you choose to make yourself a stumbling block, here's what could happen. Your knowledge, this a weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. And sinning against this brother, you wound their conscience when it's weak and you sin against Christ. What he's saying here is that if you make the wrong choice here in the wrong situation, in the wrong circumstance, it can actually destroy a believer. And I asked the question yesterday, what does it mean for a believer to be destroyed? How can a believer possibly be destroyed? It can't possibly be mean uh, that a believer is destroyed in the sense of losing their salvation. That's not, that's not a thing. Um, so what could it mean that this believer is destroyed? This, this believer falls headlong into sin and sins against Christ and is weak and wounded by their own sin and, of course, is sinning against God, which, which none of that is good, okay? Um, Paul is saying that by not living up to the gospel and making your life a gospel proclamation and the decisions you make, you could actually bring destruction on others. But if you choose the opposite, what is the opposite of destruction? Uh, the opposite of destruction is salvation, right? And so you could be an agent of destruction or an agent of salvation. In other words, you can, you can break down or you can build up, right? Which is language that Paul will use, building up. So we want to be those agents of building up for the gospel's sake. All right. Uh, I, I want to end our time together today in two passages for us to consider, think about. And I think it's in connection with the fact that Paul is addressing believers. He's addressing the church and he's addressing the topic of food offered to idols. And so he's saying, when you consider going into an idol's temple and eating that food, that while, while although you have that right, you should consider what it will do to other believers. Galatians 6, 1 and 2, James 5, 19 and 20, I think offer great insight as we consider this idea. First, Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, but keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, fulfill the law of Christ. So, 
to win someone over then would be to go to the weak believer. And, and in Galatians, Paul's saying, but keep a watch on yourself. You don't want to be tempted as you approach this situation yourself. But if there is a weak one who is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, in other words, you who are strong, right, uh, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Bear one another's burdens. Fulfill the law of Christ. Okay? So, this is how we might win a brother or sister back. Okay? So, you get the idea of win here. It doesn't necessarily, although it has application, doesn't necessarily mean taking someone who's not a believer, making them a believer. But instead, you're winning them over to obedience, faithfulness, righteousness. Okay? And then finally, James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. I do believe there's a reference here to the fact that sometimes, as we read in 1 Corinthians 11, that um, there is a discipline that comes from the Lord that can include physical things such as death, and that should you come alongside a believer that you will win them over to obedience and spare them the discipline of God, which in its worst case could even mean physical death. And so what, who, who do we want to be in this situation? We want to be those who are strong, those who are spiritual, and those who bear each other's burdens for the sake of the gospel. And we lay down our own rights and freedoms for the sake of what? For the sake of winning people over to obedience to the gospel, whether that be someone coming to the gospel for the first time, or whether that be a brother or sister in Christ who's having a moment of weakness, and we come beside them, and we lovingly tell them the gospel truth and put our arms around them and bear their burdens with them and understand their weaknesses and do everything that we can in order for them to hear the gospel and see the gospel in our very way of life. Thank you for joining us on the Addendum Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Renewed Church, visit frcsparta.com. Please join us for next week's episode.